Joe had this dream of op opening a craft brewery, but it was kind of like that. It was a dream that was on a shelf, nothing we were taking seriously. And we were talking one day and said, you know, it would be really cool if we could open a brewery and save some money and open an animal sanctuary. That's Lisa McDonald, co-owner of Sanctuary Brewing Company in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Welcome to Over Beers, a craft beer conversation podcast. My name is Freddie Clark. Three years ago, Lisa and her partner, co-owner, and head brewer, Joe Deenan, set out to create a brewery and taproom committed to enriching the lives of both humans and animals alike through excellent craft, kindness, and philanthropy. They're making small-batch, high-quality local brews in the town of Hendersonville, which is about 30 minutes south of Asheville. I've had the chance to visit Hendersonville a bunch of times in the last few years, and Sanctuary is always a stop for me when we're walking through town. This time, I got to sit down with Lisa and Joe to talk about their journey, their beer, and the other things they're involved in. During our talk, Lambic beer came up. Now, Lambic is a sour wheat beer style brewed in and around Brussels. By any standard, Lambic brewing is rare and the volume brewed is very small. The fermentation technique goes back to medieval or even ancient times. While most brewing today is an exercise in controlling the brewing process, Lambic brewing is just the opposite. It takes advantage of local and naturally occurring wild yeasts and bacteria in and around Brussels. There are two main fermentation stages, and both involve wild or native microorganisms that can take months to finish. The process creates a beer that is interesting and complex. Lambics are traditionally brewed between October and April to take advantage of times when the ambient temperatures are under 60 degrees Fahrenheit. The temperature increases in the spring and summer then help to stimulate fermentation even as the yeast and bacterial activities would naturally be slowing down because of the depletion of fermentable sugars. There are a lot of distinct features of Lambics that set it apart from other traditional brewing styles. During the mash, unmalted wheat will be added along with the malted barley and sometimes as high as 30% of the grain mill. Hops are used but only after they're aged for several years. Fresh hops are usually not added. The goal for the hops is not to produce bitter flavors, but to take advantage of their natural preservation qualities. They will use open air cooling and fermentation to allow those local microorganisms to inoculate the wort. An active mix of wild yeasts and bacteria are the key to making lambics what they are. There are many competing organisms involved, and usually one will take over from the other as the previous one declines, each adding its own characteristics. When the process is done, usually taking months, you end up with a complex sour beer with flavor profiles you won't find in any other beer. Now back to Sanctuary Brewing and my conversation with Joe and Lisa over beers. New England is where you started, Joe. Correct. Um, what was the path, the trajectory for beer? Were you, was beer always a thing in New England for you? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So, I mean, even when I was buying underage, I gotta, I, I gotta say, we were buying, we were buying uh, Pete's Wicked Ale and okay. things in the 90s, you know, uh, Pete's Wicked Ale. Up there it was a lot of Smutty Nose and Shipyard and uh, Sam Adams, of course. Mm -hmm. To get those Sam Seasonals was a huge deal. Right. Uh, that was living back then, okay. you know. And my father's always been a big craft beer guy, and he would, um, 
once he became of age, he would come over on Sundays to watch football and things, and he would always bring like really nice Belgian ales. Uh, he was also into Belgian styles from Mama Gang, uh, being out of New York, and uh, Unibrew out of uh, Montreal. And so he would bring over these really nice Belgian beers, and we would you know savor them and talk about them. And it was always so. It's always been something in my life. Oh, good. Okay. And that was probably. 15 years ago. All right. So it, you, you you passed the point where you had to drink swill when you were drinking underage. Yes, you were, you started sure. off with the good stuff. For sure. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. There's definitely a lot of <laughs> swill. He's an equal opportunity <laughs> okay. beer drinker. There's still <laughs> swill that happens occasionally right. in our house. Yeah, I, I well, still went to college. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I cut my college Your days. Your punk but, days. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Dragging around kegs of Keystone in my car. Mm, okay, yeah, we. I grew up. Uh, went to actually school in SUNY Geneseo. Okay, and okay. we were right by the Jenny plant. Of course, and of course. I've so had more Jenny, Jenny Ale, and Jenny Light, yeah. even some Cream Ale. Cream Ale. Yeah. Yep. We used to get a case of Cream Ale for five bucks and the returns on the last case. Oh so my god. College oh days, it was god. perfect. Oh my god. Okay. Yep. So, Lisa, how did you get into beer? Was um, by proxy. By proxy. Okay, you were dragged into it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, it, it was also kind of osmosis. Like, I woke up one day and was like, I know a lot about craft beer. Like, somehow, <laughs> over a period of, say, 10 years, it just kind of fell into my lap. Okay. Yeah, so um, Joe and I actually met in New England. I'm from Chicago, so I was part of that Sunday thing with his dad coming over and introducing us to some really cool things. And this is, like, 13 years ago. But he would bring the proper glassware. He took it really seriously, and it was so much fun. And I think my love of craft beer kind of stemmed from those Sundays with Joe's dad. Mm-hmm. Now, what were you guys doing professionally at that point? Uh, I was an accountant for State Street Bank, so big cubicle job. Okay. Uh, which was, was fine. It's fine. Yeah, they are, they are fine. Yeah, <laughs> they are fine. Yeah, yeah. He, he got out of that a lot sooner than I got out of my kind yes. of professional buttoned up career. So I was Correct. a business consultant. I was a corporate legal consultant mm-hmm. for most of my adult life. Okay. Um, and I left that when we started planning the opening of the brewery. So just over three years ago. Okay. So just recently you're... Yeah, pretty you recently. Were, you were freed only just recently. I was v- freed. <laughs> very, like, yes. It okay. was like this very buttoned up career one day. And then two months later, it was like six new tattoos and purple hair and this whole like... yeah. I went through a very rebellious kind of shed that corporate skin phase, which okay. I may or may not still be in. Uh, yeah, so it's very different. I was like this pendulum of a person that had okay. one life during the week and a very different life on the weekends. So. I, I know that feeling very yeah. well. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, so you had your rebellion, not in your teen years, but... No, in my 40s. In your 40s. Yeah. As long as it happens, it's a good thing. As long as it happens. Yeah. So you guys are working in New England, and then... You decide you were homebrewing? Uh, so in 08, we do this big, giant road trip all over the country, and we end up back in Chicago, where she lives, mm-hmm. uh, where she's from originally. And so we settled there for a few years. Uh, and that's where she bought me my first homebrew kit for a birthday gift. Okay. Yes. I, and the thing I love the most about that was it was a kid, and he was so nervous about like just breaking that thing out and making the first beer, like pacing back and forth. <laughs> Cut to, you know, 10 years later, we own a successful brewery. It's It's been awesome to watch the transformation from that rookie session right. to what we've got going on now. Right, right. So you're homebrewing the kit. I guess you eventually screwed up the nerve, did the first homebrew. Yep. Um, yep. 
and then just pr- it progressed from there, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, the more I got into it, the more I uh, just absolutely loved it. Started dreaming about it. Was couldn't stop thinking about ingredients and styles. And was just brewing everything under the sun. And had just and I kept uh, buying more equipment under the ruse to Lisa that <laughs> it's going to save us money. It's going to save us money. We'll just drink more homebrew. And it always turns into me buying more beer, more equipment. Uh, yeah, we now have the biggest slope. beer collection of anyone I know, and he literally for like six months tried to convince me that we wouldn't have to buy beer anymore. Ever, ever yeah. again. And now there's ever like again. stacks of like Cantillon in our house. It's just so ridiculous. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who justifies things like that. Right. That's good. Absolutely. That's really good. Absolutely. So Chicago, now how then do you guys end up in North Carolina, and how do you end up opening a brewery in a small town like Henderson? Sure, sure. Um, so I had a different uh, cubicle job out in uh, um, Chicago that I, I, I really, really despised. And so uh, my amazing partner here was like, you need to get out of that job. It's making you crazy. And almost at that same point, we had a friend who was the GM at uh, Goose Island, uh, one of the brew pubs next to Wrigley Field. He said, hey, I'm looking for a bartender. I had a little bit of service industry experience to come work for me. And so uh, I put in my two weeks immediately and I was mm-hmm. out of there and uh, I was able to brew a little bit with their pub brewers, okay. uh, which really means just cleaning out mash tons and mm-hmm. uh, washing Entry floors level. and scrubbing yep. parts. Exactly. For uh, free. It's just like, hey, brew crew, can I shadow you since exactly. I don't have the bar shift today. Exactly yeah. right. Okay. And then uh, I'm all this time I'm still full bore homebrew mm-hmm. and uh, then we moved down here in 2011 and we're up in Asheville uh, and I'm lucky enough to find a job at Thirsty Monk mm-hmm. and then my beer knowledge just kind of skyrocketed because I was just so immersed in both the Belgian side downstairs uh, and the European bar and then the uh, American side and so uh that just following trends and being so immersed in living the industry uh, every single day. Right. Once you dive in, it, it washes over you and it's just it's exactly everything. Right. Yeah. Exactly okay. right. And so uh, from there, uh, and somewhere in there, we moved to Hendersonville in 12, uh, 2012. We moved down to Hendersonville. and mm-hmm. uh, But I was still working up there until about 13, 14. Meanwhile, Blue Ridge Community College starts offering these amazing classes in conjunction with Oscar Blues. Uh, brewing classes and so uh, I went to night school over there three nights a week where you uh, to earn my uh, Institute of Brewing and Distilling certificate mm-hmm. so I was two nights in the classroom and a night actually on, uh, on the brewery floor which was a whole nother animal for me uh, and so then once I had earned that certificate uh, I had gotten to know the guys from Wicked Weed just because they were coming into Thirsty Monk, uh, people from the area know there weren't that many places to hang out in Asheville not that long ago, and so uh, all the Wicked Weed folks would come in after building out, and so I got to know those guys, and then when they were looking for an intern, I got got the tab, Yep, get the internship at Wicked Weed, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, which was great, a couple days a week, and at the same time I'm bartending, um, and then... We're, the whole time we're talking about it, we've now lived in Hendersonville, North Carolina, for years, and there's no brewery downtown. Mm-hmm. And so, we, you know, for years we've been saying, why is there no brewery downtown? Why is there no brewery downtown? Asheville is now at the point of having 10 or something downtown, and Hendersonville doesn't have one. Mm-hmm. Hendersonville is small, but it's not tiny. We're no. pushing 20,000 people here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, at once 
the internship turned into full-time work, and uh, I'm working in the Funkatorium, helping the guys do barrel work, and on the weekends I was their cellarman, doing all sorts of cellar work, packaging and uh, dry hopping and fruiting and all this stuff. Uh, at some point, we're why are we waiting for someone else to open it? Mm-hmm. Uh, why are we waiting for somebody else to open a brewery? So uh, that's when we kind of came up with that name and that idea uh, of doing the brewery. And then, uh, so we took a, I, I went to business school, but uh, I did a refresher course up in Asheville about small business management, putting it uh, together, business plan. And then we came, we just got so lucky in finding the space right downtown. And that's really what kicked this whole thing into overdrive. Cause I think we were thinking, you know, let's do it in 2016 or 17. And then we found this space and it was like, we just, we can't wait. Right. We just cannot wait. And and, how, uh, how long did it take from like, we're going to definitely do this yeah, to yeah. that big door rolling up? Right. I we think, found this space in probably February and we opened in August. And yeah, this, yeah. it was, there was nothing in here. It was a shell. Okay. It's a um, dirty, empty warehouse that had yeah. been empty for three years or they something. They were using it to park cars. Yep. So we had to put the plumbing and the electrical and everything in. So everything you see in front of you was built out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. In that window of time. Yeah. Well, I, I think I was down in probably June or July of that year and mm-hmm. I, you had your signage up. Cool. But you weren't open yet. Right. And right. we were walking up and down and I'm like... Yeah. Why is there no Looking down the street, I'm yeah. like, there's something. Wait, is that a brewery? Yeah. And I came running down. I'm like, God, oh, they're not open. <laughs> yeah. Shortly after that, though. Yep. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, it's, it's been a fun run. That was, uh, it was a crazy six months getting open. That's a actually compared to up north. That's a short window. Oh no doubt. That's a short window. No that's there's not... breweries in town here that took have taken over a year. There's yeah. one yeah. still that was hoping to open up Fourth of July last year, and it. They're still not open. We just had Fourth of July. Wow! You know, they're That's, still. Yeah. It, it's 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 like any restaurant. It's or you know bar. It takes time. Yeah. It takes time, and then once the city and the county come in and they start poking holes in what you're doing, and uh, you need to put a vent in or a hood in over here, or the plumbing just isn't right, or the electrical's all messed up. I mean, it, it can be a whole. It can be a mess. Yeah. Yeah, no. but primarily if you don't live in Henderson County, because Henderson County has been amazing to us from the beginning. True story. Like You're- the downtown, the county offices are half a block away so we would finish a project and walk over there and get the inspector to walk back with us and he would and just kind of stamp his approval on it the day of like this whole city was so behind us and so positive and kind and wonderful pro about business. us getting yeah pro mm-hmm. business and really excited yeah. about us getting open yeah we kind of t- touched on that a minute ago about the laws being a little bit more lax around here and I think that I mean some people in North Carolina can find them a little bit restrictive, but when you compare them to the entire East Coast, yeah. uh, the beer laws in this state are, are very liberal and mm-hmm. very pro-business and pro-brewery and pro-tourism. Uh, and so I think that's why there are so many breweries. I think we've got the most breweries on the East Coast of any state. Um, and our distribution laws are some of the best on the East Coast. Now, and the water is pretty good. And the, the water is fantastic as well. Absolutely. So that, now, do you guys distribute? Quality of life. We do, uh, do a little bit, but most of the stuff, you know, the tap room is just so busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're getting there. We just uh, picked up a ton of new fermenters, a bunch of new kegs. You come down and you're doing that corporate job here now, right? As well, well, for the most part, I, yeah. that job consisted of like 85% travel. Okay. So when I say it was a pendulum, I was like in a suit nine to nine every day. And then I would come home for like, a, I don't know, a week. Um, 
and it would be like all bets are off camping hiking fostering animals just mm -hmm. having this like extreme outdoor happy existence drinking all this great beer with him and then back on a plane to so, do it all start all over again yeah and start all over again now the animal part of it is very interesting because knowing a, a bit about you guys from just coming down and drinking for the last three years um the animal advocacy is really big for you yes when did that start um when i was like four okay <laughs> <laughs> i think the first time i like brought a snake home or a bunny rabbit i mean that's just been a love of mine all my life i think my parents took me to see grizzly adams when i was a kid and i cried for three days because we couldn't live in the woods with bears like okay. i just yeah i was always that kind of kid um and i grew up with a lot of animals and then when joe and i were in chicago i think we had two dogs and a cat and that's what we moved down here with but the goal was to find a small farm where we could foster rescue adopt make beer grow food and then have a bigger season of like all those things i mentioned camping hiking etc so we did and when we found our farm that's when we got not only serious about beer but it got pretty intense on the animal front so i think our first year in our house we fostered about a hundred dogs and cats wow. yeah and then um, started rescuing a few so you know you start with three and that turns into eight and that turns into 12 plus all the fosters so it, it kind of became an integral part of our lives when we got to North Carolina and we were able to do it mm -hmm. now I know there's a there's a pig that's very popular <laughs> very much front and center. He sure is. Well, his pictures are all over the bar, too. So, right. yeah. Every, I think even people that have never met him feel like they know him. And he's been a great ambassador for farm animals. So he was little when we opened the bar. And okay. we would bring him in every Sunday until he just got too big to bring him in every Sunday. But he had this reputation of being kind of a drunk because he would steal everyone's beer, which he still does. He, okay. It's very fitting that that's our pig. His name is Oliver because he loves beer, but he'll drink anything. True story. Yeah, he doesn't mind the swill at all. No. Nope. Um, but yeah, so he was kind of like our Infections. first. Yeah. Doesn't mind. <laughs> no, he doesn't. doesn't. He doesn't Does care. Does he get all the things that fail? Doesn't care. Is that what happens? Doesn't care. In small doses. Once in a while. Yes. Unless, okay. yeah, yeah. He, he drinks his fair share when he's sneaky about it. Um, but yeah, he, he was this really wonderful kind of piece of us that we were able to incorporate into the brewery and kind of tie those two passions together. Mm -hmm. And since then, we have a chicken who is also kind of an ambassador, so you'll see pictures of her all over as well. Her name is Charlotte. Um, so she's had photo shoots done at the bar, like professional <laughs> photographers come in. And she's also best friends with the pig, so okay. yeah, very fitting. So. Yes. Well, it's it is interesting that you how you guys merge the two together. That's something I find really fascinating because you don't see that a lot where you know, you would assume other brewers have other passions. Right. But you guys really merge the two together so that they became really intertwined and one doesn't exist without the other. That is that you, you said it perfectly. I don't think one would exist without the other. I so that came up because Joe and I were talking. I was having some problems with my job, and Joe had this dream of opening a craft brewery, but it was kind of like 
that. It was a dream that was on a shelf, nothing we were taking seriously. And we were talking one day and said, you know, it would be really cool if we could open a brewery and save some money and open an animal sanctuary. And literally, we were both like, that's it. That's what we need to do with our lives. Like, mm-hmm. in the, I think we copyrighted Sanctuary Brewing Company the next day okay. and started working on our business plan. So it wasn't until we realized we could take these two things and put them together that the whole idea was born. Um, and the thing I love the most about that story is we were thinking someday we'll have an animal sanctuary and it took less than three years. So we got our 501c3 nonprofit status for our animal rescue last October. So it was okay. just over two years from the from the time the brewery opened until we made that a reality. And we are now, as of this week, we will be um, caregivers to 23 animals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now that's on the farm. That's on the farm, which okay. is only about two miles from here. Thank goodness. So we can kind of put out <laughs> fires in either place when okay. necessary. You're wearing out a path between the two, I guess. We really yeah. are, yeah. yeah. If we had a jet pack that could just take us <laughs> oh back and God. forth or a zip line, well, that go. would be the go. best. Okay. Now, how do you approach the brewing, the beer here? Because every time I come in here, you do have a pretty broad selection mm-hmm. of, of, of beers and styles. Sure. So what's your, I mean, what's your approach to brewing in general? I mean, you don't seem... You seem traditional, but but you also experiment. I think we try and do. I try. I try and keep it. It's. I want to say 50-50. It's probably not quite 50-50, but beers that I most of the all the beers are, are beers that I would want to drink. I say most. Uh, I should say most. Uh, it's a fine line. It, you go back and forth because uh, I, personally, I want to drink sour, funky. And dank IPAs. Well, we, Wicked Weed. That's not everybody. Your right. Wicked Weed history right there. Right. Shows. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So that, that's where my palate is. And okay. so from that's, I brew all those beers for me. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole other subset of beers that I brew for the public because they sell and everybody wants them. And we hear, people tell the bartenders, I talk to the bartenders, this is what people are looking for. And we, we try and go after a kind of a well-balanced lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got 16 drafts. Uh... We do have a, we lose a couple to uh, our cold brew coffee and we've got a tea on, um, but for the most part, it's all our own beer and we try and keep it pretty well balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, in the wintertime, you may see a few more dark beers in the summertime, maybe a few more sour and light beers, but um, that's pretty much how it goes. But, but I would I, add to that, a lot of our beers might be out of the flavor profile that either one of us would choose if we were out, but I right. absolutely love them. Like, I don't think yeah. we've made anything that I don't, that just doesn't, like, knock my socks off. We did a cream ale called Field of Dreams a few months ago, and I would never go out and order a cream ale, but I drink it here all the time because I absolutely love that yeah. beer. Yeah, we brew beers that we don't necessarily love, but um, people love them, uh, and so... But it's, it's a fine line. It's a balance. Mm-hmm. Right, it right. is. It's a balance. Okay. And so we, we try and keep the boards as even as possible. Gotcha. Yes. Where does your flavor profile, where do you like to, um, where do you like to live beer-wise? I have become a big fan of the bread and dank beers as well. <laughs> so I the, the path was a little bit slower for me. Um, but we went to Belgium about almost two years ago to do research. <laughs> because you have to when right, you're a brewery. Right. And I'm also half Belgian. So it was kind of like a pilgrimage for my family. And it was um, a trip to taste some of the best beers in the world. And we went to Cantillon 
and it changed my life. Like in that moment, I had like this euphoric experience, <laughs> and I think it completely changed my palate and my appreciation for beers. Um, and ever since then, the weirder, funkier, older kind of lambic sours, anything that's barrel aged or kettle soured, I love them. I'm on a big Brett kick lately. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my favorite at the moment. Okay. Well, but I don't see any sours. There weren't any sours on the board the other day when I was I here. I debated putting one on this morning. Yeah. So we've got one, a Brewer's Reserve, because we just, we just emptied a bunch of barrels, and the fermenter couldn't fit. So there's a bit, I, I, debate, I debated putting some on, because we ended up kegging it straight from the barrel. Okay. Uh, and we've got two more fermenting. We've got two kettle sours going right now. So next week, uh, there'll be sours galore. The barrel stuff, plus the two kettle sours. All right, cool. Yep. But a few cool. on right now that are slightly funky. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got a... The cucumber and the Hazeversary, for sure. Uh, yeah, we've got that, that cucumber uh, lime farmhouse. It's got uh, two different strains of Brett in it. Uh, so that's got a moderate tartness. And then we're also doing a Brett IPA uh, in our Rock of Love series uh, with Mandarina and Lemon Drop. And that is funky, tart, and just amazing. And I think that'll be out next week or the week after. Hmm. All right, yeah, cool. So I may have to extend my lots trip. Of, yeah. Lots of weirdness. <laughs> lots of weird stuff. About our- what do we have here today, right now? So some if beer. you want to describe these, I started out with our Kolsch called Bobby Bear Jr. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with a musician from Nashville, Bobby Bear Jr. Um, He's one of our all-time favorites, and he is actually playing our three-year anniversary, which is on August 19th, so this beer is named after him. All right, cool. So, yes, the Bobby Bear Jr. is named after Bobby Bear Jr. You mentioned traditional. This one we try and keep as traditional as possible. Mm -hmm. It's all German Pilsner malt. Super clean, uh, straightforward, a little bit of biscuit, a little bit of bread uh, from that Pilsner malt. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very soft hops. Um, But it's there. Uh, We use German hops as well and keep it traditional. We get comments from German folks fairly often about it. Uh, and so that yeah. is that is very light, very very crisp. It's, it's, it's a it's good summer, a good summer sipper. Exactly yep. right. Exactly. We get a lot of people in here who not, aren't necessarily craft beer folks, and so this is kind of their gateway okay. beer into the right. Yeah, I was going to ask that. I mean, with with Asheville and North Carolina being such a beer destination now, for sure, um, and a beer mecca. I mean, coming from where I'm at, it's kind of really still in the infancy. Um, and the, the number of breweries in New Jersey are growing. Um, New York City, not so much. A few in Brooklyn. We have a couple in Brooklyn. But this is like, you know, come down here, it's everywhere. Like in Asheville, you can walk around and, right. and just never leave two blocks and hit five, six breweries. Right. Yep. Um, do you, you do get a lot of folks who are still new to the craft beer? Oh, for world? sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I'd say our regulars are definitely more... Um, familiar with the industry and uh, uh, the craft beer scene, mm-hmm. uh, but this is a huge tourist area. Come summertime, mm-hmm. uh, in the mountains, a lot of folks come up, uh, come to get out of the heat from Florida, Atlanta, Charleston, Savannah, Charlotte, wherever, uh, and in the wintertime, we get we get a lot of northern folks mm-hmm. uh, to get out of the cold, and so, uh, absolutely, and so it could be 
you know, people from wherever, and uh, they're just learning. And so uh, I had someone come in the other day, and they said uh, our grapefruit IPA was their gateway beer of all beers. Wow. Of all beers. We're going to try that one in a minute. I hate hate beer, but I love your grapefruit IPA. And it was like, like, I'm going to take a a crowler home, and I'm going to drink it on my porch and hang out with my kid later tonight. And they're from Florida, not not our typical drink. She's more of a wine cocktail person. It was so Hmm. funny. That's that's an interesting place to start. Exactly. They're at the the same thing. But the same thing happened with Leilani. Um, We have a friend who is an ARCA race car driver, and we just did a collaboration with her. And she came in saying, basically, I don't like IPAs. And we ended up making an IPA with her because she tried the hot pig. And she was like, oh, I love this beer. And so we decided to do an IPA with her. So you just don't know. It's nice to get people out of their comfort zone Mm -hmm. and try something different and realize, oh, hey, okay, I see where this is going. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think with the West Coast style, it's a little bit easier as well because I think people expect IPAs to be very bitter and ours are much more on the like um, bold kind of juicy style so mm-hmm. more tropical yeah. yeah yeah definitely all right so let's let's do, up let's another, do one. another one yeah. so this is that cucumber lime this that Joe described one. earlier okay. this is my favorite thing we have on right now it's all local cucumbers uh, from next town over Fletcher uh, and cucumbers a little bit goes a long way so we uh, didn't add an obscene amount and then we uh, added a bunch of fresh lime juice mm-hmm. squeezed it myself and uh, <laughs> you say that with a with a sense of pride or was uh, it more uh, is it I think it's martyrdom <laughs> oh, we had a machine it was nice uh, kind of a machine it was like a hand press okay uh, but uh, yeah it worked pretty well that's uh, and then uh, two different strains of bread it's the American farmhouse uh, from White Labs and Bruxellesis, which okay. is kind of like the mid-level funky bread. There's right. kind of three strains of moderate funk, and it is uh, in the middle there. Yeah, and then the cucumber kind of like cuts it, it seems like. It, it, yeah. It the, evens it out, you know? The funk is definitely, uh, it, we, we, it, it was added in secondary. Okay. Uh, so it sat for about uh, two, three weeks on the, on the bread, but the primary was uh, clean American ale. Okay. Yeah. With your ingredients, the you know saying you know the local. I mean, how much of the stuff? How much of your grains? How much of your hops are coming locally? To are you getting local? Sure. Uh, we get our local hops from this amazing local farm uh, called Maple Glen Farms. They're fantastic. They've got acres of Cascades. We love them, and all of our raspberries come from. Raspberry Fields, which is here in Hendersonville, and uh, we do a ton of sours with them, barrel aged and kettle sour, uh, and they're just amazing folks to work with. And now we expect a kickback from them both. I normally don't like cucumber, traditionally, yep, as fair. you know, to, fair. to just eat, but this sure. this is this is nice. Awesome. This drink's really nice. Cool. Yeah, very nice. Um, one thing I noticed the other day when I was here, there's a there's a uh, a little sign on the bar. On the taproom bar that says you can only bring one beer per person. And I've never noticed that here before. Um, and it says it's North Carolina law. Up in Jersey, New York, especially in New Jersey, the um, the laws around breweries are very challenging. Um, in just the last couple of months, um, dogs that are no longer allowed because they say it's a uh, place where food's being created. And then uh, at the same time, you can't serve food. Now you guys are doing are doing not only the dogs are here, but you've also opened because you're not doing enough. 
You've also opened a vegan and vegetarian cafe on the other, right on the other side of the of the brewery. So, how did that begin? is uh, like six questions in one. Yeah, I know. I kind of <laughs> no, went good, a lot though. of different places yeah, in that one. Yeah, they're good. They're all good things to talk about. So the drink, the North Carolina, North Carolina law is that you can't have more than 20 ounces of beer in your hands at any time. Okay. Um, so that literally means you need to just hand one off to your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to kind of keep the line moving, we tell people, hey, we're happy to bring it over for you or just give it to your husband or give it to your wife and then come back and get okay. the other one. Um, and some Sometimes it's easier to put signs up. Is that a law that has been around? And it's just like kind of being enforced now? Alien, yes. Alien is very mindful of it. They remind us all the time. Okay. Same thing in Asheville. It's... It's yeah, there are a few laws that they take very, very seriously. I think there, as in any state, there are a few on the books that have become kind of obsolete. Um, but as far as not having more than 20 ounces, they take that one pretty seriously. But you can get a beer and a shot. So right. you can get two drinks that way. You can get a beer and a shot, but you can't get two beers. Because it's not 20 ounces? Uh, it's, that? that's, it's the rules. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. We're not even it's, sure. It's okay. po- prohibition, you know, post-prohibition yeah. right. laws. Yeah. Right. But other things, I, I mean, you can get back into the restaurant. But Yeah, so we've always been, obviously, um, dedicated to animal advocacy so this has always been kind of uh, even more than a brewery it's um, a community center in a lot of ways so people are very comfortable with bringing their dogs and listening to music watching sports so it has all of these kind of feel-good propositions not just beer which is in and of itself feel-good proposition but other things hanging out with your dog listening to music etc um, so when we decided to open a kitchen with the jazzy vegetarian who is a nationally renowned chef she's in her sixth season on pbs of a show called the jazzy vegetarian we had a hard time figuring out how this was going to work and through our um health code inspector he basically said that the kitchen is in one side of the bar separated by a wall and so dogs are allowed on the other side so we're not actually breaking any laws because we don't have dogs in our kitchen space Mm -hmm. um so people are still welcome to bring their well-behaved dogs and the kitchen technically opened three days ago it has been a huge success it is 100 percent cruelty free and vegan as this business and our secondary business and soon to be third business is um, so we just could not be happier with the way this is all playing out. Nice. Very nice. No, it's great. Now I've also noticed um, on the website that then on Sundays you guys give food to people who Yeah, so we do so I'm going to back up for just a sec. We started out saying we were going to be dedicated to animal advocacy, and we kind of realized very quickly in having our own brick and mortar that we wanted to be dedicated to advocacy for all living beings. Mm -hmm. Um, We're all animals at the end of the day. (laughs) So that has really kind of turned into a much bigger thing. Um, So at the beginning, what we started doing is something called a kindness wall. So I don't know if you noticed outside, there's kind of a string with some hooks on it. And pretty much from the beginning, we've been putting out essentials bags with things like um, aspirin, deodorant, combs, brushes, shampoo, um, hygiene products. And we, whenever we can afford to fill those bags and put them outside, we do. So that has been a really simple way to help the public. And then the first year we were open, I decided to make food for our customers on Easter Sunday 
put a donation jar out, no questions asked. It was a huge success over the past two and a half years. I've made food for the public every single Sunday, which is quite a big undertaking. I think we just had our last one, not because we want to stop making food for the public, but because what we're going to do instead is have a fund in our kitchen that if somebody comes in and they need a meal, comes out of that fund, no questions asked. So it's no longer limited to just Sundays. It's available to anybody that needs it at any time. And another thing we started doing, we're actually having um, our second one this week, and then our third one will be uh, sometime in August, is a Give Forward series. So we offer community haircuts, job skills. We do a clothing drive where people can come in and kind of look through the racks. We mm-hmm. provide bags so they can take whatever they need. We provide a hot meal. At this one, the, the next one that's coming up, we're doing massages, um, makeup tutorials, uh, allowing people to have their nails done. We're bringing in job applications. So these really cool kind of different ways to again use a brick and mortar mm-hmm. to do some good in the world that doesn't really cost us much um, and it, it has the potential to touch so many lives so yeah, yeah we a, any kind of endeavor where we, we, we'll find out about something and just think oh cool we can do that yeah. and then we just do it so um, that's, yeah, yeah it's that's been, fantastic yeah it's been really fun actually I remember I guess we were, maybe last summer we were here and it was the postcard event where you guys had the postcards on different uh, political causes, different, and people, you you, you had the the book of all the uh, politicians, and it was just real simple and easy to to make your voice heard with the politicians. Yeah, that's actually done by a group that's not affiliated with the brewery, Um, so we try to be like non-specific as far as who can come in and um, Mm -hmm. host an event, but the goal there is for people to, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, to reach out to your local, state, federal politicians and have your voice be heard. Mm -hmm. Um, So that group called PWH has really created a climate for people to kind of freely express themselves. No, that's fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. which Mm -hmm. I absolutely love. They're awesome. And they've been doing that for just over a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that happens every Friday from four to six. Oh, okay. All right, let's do one more beer. Let's and do then it. I know you guys have the anniversary coming up, so what's what's happening for that? So this beer, I'm going to let Joe talk about it. This is a Marzen called Country Roads that actually won um, state last year, the NC Craft Brewers Guild. Um, so this is a local fan favorite. It was kind of a one-off, and it did so well competing that it's on our regular rotation now. It's also very palatable. Mm-hmm. I, I think it offers something for everyone. There's nothing too crazy going on. We didn't put any bread in that beer. Um, do you want to talk more about that? Sure, sure. Uh, again, just similar to the uh, the Bobby beer. Um, I try to keep it as traditional as possible. It's all German malt, German Pilsner. Uh, the biggest thing in there is the Vienna. That's what you're getting most. It's probably 50% Vienna, 30% Munich, 20% Pilsner, mm-hmm. um, all German straight from Germany and try to keep it interesting but light mm-hmm. uh, both those things so you, you're getting first time beer drinkers and people who are more interested in the actual malts yeah. um, you know and uh, 
everywhere, you know, a big wave of uh, popularity right now is the lager movement. Um, now that people are kind of, some people are kind of getting over the sour thing, getting over IPAs, uh, a lot more people are just more interested in malts, and so that's kind of uh, where this beer is going. Yeah, it's very, very sweet up front. Mm -hmm. It's got a very sweet approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I wonder because Americans traditionally have been a lager, not too hoppy right. beer consumer. For sure. We kind of are coming back to that a little bit, but no. now at least on the craft side, so it's exactly. it's well made, it's it's tasty, it has some has some bones to it. Yeah. I think that is a thousand times correct. So true pilsners and lagers, I think, it, I, the bar is set so high at this point, you can't just put out a kind of status quo mm -hmm. beer. If you're going to take on that level of kind of complexity in the industry, it better be good. Um, so we've done lagers. We traditionally don't, but this is kind of appealing to that flavor profile. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's very... Very nice. Very We're going to well throw done. in that the Haze anniversary. We're going to do one more. That's all right, coming, fine. That's okay. We're going to do I, one more. Look, I will sit here all day drinking beer if you keep bringing them out. No problem. For sure. For sure. Well, this is the perfect segue, Ty, thank you. Also, yeah, we, we talked about our anniversary. And so we still have the... We, you know, we do the oh, yeah. IPAs okay. and the multi ones as well. So we were breaking you in gently. Now yes. we're going to the yes. big dogs. We wanted to go easy on your palate. Yeah. So gate. if you want to talk about the beer, I'll talk about the anniversary. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, this beer we actually initially brewed for our second anniversary last year, but uh, we brewed it with uh, California ale, which is very clean uh, and doesn't add much in the way of flavor, uh, which is fine. But it's it's very. You see, you see it more in West Coast styles. And so we just recently brewed it with uh, the London Fog Strain Ale, which is the, the one that you see with a lot of New England styles. So mm -hmm. uh, it's it's crazy. We, we, we taste this beer without even any dry hops, and you're getting peach notes and pineapple notes. And then we add boatloads of mosaic and citra hops to this beer. Uh, and so the beer is just a, a flavor bomb of... Uh, you know, tropical fruits, stone fruit, um, like I said, pineapple, peaches, um, all over the place. But you get a nice full-bodied mouthfeel uh, mm -hmm. and a touch of sweetness. Uh, it also comes in at 8.5%, right. yes. so you have to <laughs> I don't pace think yourself on those boys. It That's doesn't a, drink like one, It does though. not. It, no, it yeah, does not. So it's pretty it's, sneaky. It's, it's scared of it's... It, yeah, it is sneaky. It's hurt a few people, so you gotta you gotta watch yourself with that one. Well, well in, in in full disclosure, last night I was in town and I swung by and I picked up a crowler of this. Oh, nice! And went back up to the house. Yep. And I don't. After finishing the crowler, I wasn't awake too much longer. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> uh, I believe it. So, but so easy to finish oh, a crowler yeah. of easy, it. It's easy. just yep. delicious. I love the way that beer mm -hmm. finishes. Mm -hmm. Um. So. Again, I was going to take the opportunity as a segue to talk about our anniversary. So I think I mentioned our, our anniversary is August 19th. Um, every year we do it on a Sunday. It's a giant party that starts around 2 p.m. This year the musician is Bobby Bear Jr. The tickets are 10 bucks. You can find the link on our Facebook page. There's an event for it. But one thing we decided to do, again, in terms of our advocacy for all living beings, is hold a bike drive. So we are so excited. We are looking for donated bikes for Hendersonville Rescue Mission, which is actually not too far from here, and it's a group we work with um, quite a bit. 
So if you drop off a bike here, you get two free tickets to that event and you automatically get entered into a raffle. It's not one of your basic raffles. It's a pretty big deal raffle. Okay. Um, so we've got prizes from Incline Adventures, prizes from Sanctuary Brewing Company, and a few other things that we're still in the works on. Um, but yeah, so that should add a whole new level of like, hey, I get to do something good and I get to go to this party and I might win something awesome. And Bobby Bear Jr., who's one of our all-time favorites. So again, August 19th, 2 p.m. Thank you both. You can visit Sanctuary Brewing on First Avenue East in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Check out their website at sanctuarybrewco.com to find out more about their beer, their taproom, restaurant, and animal refuge. As always, check out the blog at overbeers.beer. Please leave a rating for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps and I appreciate it. You can leave a comment on the blog or send me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas for the show. The email address is cheers at santefoto.com. S-A-N-T-E-P-H-O-T-O.com. We've also got a new Instagram account, at overbeerspod. I'm Freddie Clark, and I'm going to go have a beer, but I'll be back real soon with more conversations over beers.